What's up? Welcome in on a Wednesday. This is episode 52 of WFS, The Will Ford Show. Welcome in, everybody. Glad to be back. Hope you guys uh, had a great time celebrating the new year. It is 2019, the first episode of the new year. Uh, it's very exciting, uh, and I hope all you guys set your New Year's resolutions, and I'm sure a lot of you are sticking to them so far, and and you know we'll see how you guys do in the future. I know a lot of people struggle with New Year's resolutions. They follow them for a couple weeks, a month or so, and then, you know, you know, you kind of fall off, but I applaud the people who set those, set those goals, try to reach those goals and, and do reach those goals and, and continue trying to better their lives. I, I applaud everyone for doing that. Um, but this is a big weekend in sports. Obviously we've had some bowl games over the, over the past week or so. Ohio State played against Washington yesterday in the Rose Bowl, where Ohio State ended up winning in Urban Meyer's final game as a head coach. Um, so that was good for him to kind of you know walk off into the sunset with a victory. And then, of course, we've got the NFL playoffs this weekend, two games on Saturday. We've got the Texans and the Colts at 4.30, and then we've got the Cowboys and the Seahawks at 8.30 on Saturday. That's going to be a good game as well. And then on Sunday, we've got the Bears and the Eagles. And we also have the Ravens and the Chargers. And the Ravens and the Chargers might be the best game of the weekend. We've got some really, really uh, good things going on. Um, But we're going to start, I mean, you know, close to the end of the year, a lot of head coaches are either on the hot seat or they get fired. And, uh, excuse me, uh, this season we've had, see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight coaches have been fired this season. And that's obviously leaving a lot of openings and it's leaving a lot of talk and speculation and predictions on where, uh, on where some coaches might end up, what, who the candidates are, who's the right fit for which team and that quarterback and, and what have you. Um, but just going through the list, obviously the Browns fired Hugh Jackson earlier in the season. The Packers fired Mike McCarthy midway through the season. And then after the season was over, the Jets fired Todd Bowles, the Broncos fired Vance Joseph, the Bengals and Marvin Lewis mutually parted ways. They did that last year, but they ended up bringing him back. So they part ways this year. The Dolphins fired Adam Gase. The Cardinals fired Steve Wilkes, surprisingly, after only one season. And then the Buccaneers fired Dirk Cutter. So a lot of openings, a lot of speculation on Who's going to be coming to to coach some of these teams? There's been talk about some college coaches um, like a Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma, but he's already agreed to a an extension there. Um, and there's not really any other college coaches that are on the market or necessarily in in talks with any teams. Um, but I know Mike McCarthy is drawing a lot of interest. The Jets are talking to Mike McCarthy right now, and I think Mike McCarthy would be a perfect fit for a lot of these teams, especially ones with young quarterbacks. And I really like him with the Jets. 
Just because when when Mike McCarthy had Aaron Rodgers, when when the Packers had their most success was when Aaron Rodgers was younger and Mike McCarthy had more control over Aaron Rodgers and you know everything worked and flowed perfectly. But as Aaron Rodgers has gotten older, he's become more outspoken, he's become more diva-ish. Mike McCarthy's lost that control, and that's why the Packers have had back-to-back losing seasons for the first time since the 1990s. But if you get Mike McCarthy in a situation with Sam Darnold, maybe you, maybe with the Browns and Baker Mayfield, or the Cardinals and Josh Rosen, one of those teams with a young quarterback, I think Mike McCarthy has a very simplistic and simple simplistic it doesn't is not always necessarily a bad word. Simplistic can be very good for a rookie quarterback. You want to keep things simple. You don't want things to be too elaborate and complicated for uh, when you're developing a a quarterback. I think his simplistic style and his ability to mold a quarterback would be great. I think especially with the Jets and Sam Darnold, but it would definitely work in Cleveland and Arizona as well, I believe. I think Mike McCarthy to the Jets is a very, very plausible, very possible situation, a very possible outcome. Uh, Peyton Manning suggested to the Browns management, uh, Adam Gase, the former Dolphins coach for their head coaching position. I like that move as well. Gase is a very offensive-minded coach. And through the first half of the season, he and Tannehill worked really, really well. And what Adam Gase has done with marginal and limited talent, I think, deserves some recognition. I think Adam Gase with the Browns, although it may not be the perfect fit, I think an offensive coach for... Baker Mayfield and that offense on the Browns is exactly what they need. And then you can put Greg Williams back on the defensive side of the ball, defensive coordinator. That defense is really good. It's a legit defense. You bring in Adam Gase to run that offense, I think that would be a really good fit. Uh, And then if you're looking around, uh, the Packers are talking to Josh McDaniels. Not really sure how well that would fit. Uh, Josh McDaniels kind of, you know, was a little gun-shy on the Colts last year, accepted the offer, and then backed out last second. Um, so I'm kind of surprised he's getting talks this year, but, I mean, he's an offensive-minded guy. He know, He's very smart. But just because you're smart doesn't mean you can coach, and so we'll, we'll see how that shakes out if he gets a job. The Packers, I don't know. I think he'd be able to keep Aaron Rodgers in line. I don't think he's going to take crap from Aaron Rodgers, especially since he works with Tom Brady right now. Um, But personally, for the Packers, I think they need a defensive-minded head coach, one that can take care of the defense, and then Aaron Rodgers can carry the offense on his own. I think that would be a perfect scenario for the Packers. If you want to bring in a guy like a Steve Wilkes, who is defensive-minded, I think that would be a really good fit with the Packers. And I don't understand why the Cardinals fired Steve Wilkes after one season. You, I mean, one season is not enough time to show whether or not you're, you're able to develop talent. 
I mean, if you look at the Cardinals, their offensive line was depleted most of the year. Josh Rosen is a rookie. There's aging weapons around him. I mean, Larry Fitzgerald is not exactly the... He's not exactly young anymore. He's no spring chicken. Although he's still very good for his age. I mean, he's not getting any younger. Um, And then that defense really wasn't that good all year either. I think it was... To give a guy one year, like unless it was just absolutely catastrophic and he just had no command over the locker room and he had he didn't have great relationships with his players then maybe like Matt Patricia I feel like is a guy I would have fired in his first season over Steve Wilkes Matt Patricia early on in the year had no control over his locker room and they were terrible Matt Stafford was able to do just enough to to win them as many games as they did I would have fired Matt Patricia before I would have fired Steve Wilkes, but that's neither here nor there, I guess. That doesn't really matter. But I do like, for the Cardinals, I think Adam Gase would be a good fit there as well, as well as, I I just said, McCarthy. Uh, I think Todd Bowles, in Green Bay would also work. He's a defensive-minded head coach. I think Todd Belt, Todd Bowles in Green Bay would be a pretty good fit. Um, and I know there's some coordinators that are getting looked at. There's a offensive line coach with the Saints getting looked at, Chiefs offensive coordinator. A lot of coordinators get a lot of looks every year. And it seems like more and more often, offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators are getting head coaching jobs over some of these former head coaches or college coaches. And then there's one candidate that I think not necessarily this year because he's said that he's not coming out, but in the next couple of years, Jim Harbaugh used to coach the 49ers, led his team with Colin Kaepernick to the Super Bowl, coaching Michigan right now. I think Jim Harbaugh, within the next couple of years, could come out of college football, leave Michigan, and head over to the NFL where a team will will take him in, and Jim Harbaugh is going to want to prove that he can take another team to the Super Bowl. I think he's a guy to look out for in the next couple of years. Not this year. He said he's not coming out this year. But I think he knows that there's a lot of teams that are looking his way. He knows. And so I think he's a guy to definitely watch for. And then I think three coaches right now out of the ones that were fired that I think are most likely to get a job. I like Steve Wilkes. I like Mike McCarthy. And I like Adam Gase. And then maybe... Maybe Todd Bowles, just depending on, you know, what jobs get taken by who. But I really like McCarthy, Wilkes, and Gase. I really like those guys that take a job. I'm going to, my predictions, I'm going to say McCarthy to the Jets. I'm going to say Adam Gase is going to go. I want to say Adam Gase is going to go to the Cardinals. 
And then I'm not sure about Wilkes or Bowles or any of these other guys. So we'll see, but I, I, I really feel strongly about Mike McCarthy to the Jets at least. All right. So a lot of stuff's been going on around the NFL besides these head coaching firings. Um, the Raiders hired a new GM, Mike Mayock, who was a talent evaluator for the NFL Network and did a lot of stuff with the draft and analyzed players, did stuff on draft day. And I know he's been at the Combine before. He's a very smart guy, great talent evaluator. I think this, in the short term, is a great move for Oakland, especially with the plethora of picks that they have, those first-rounders and those second-rounders that they've acquired. With all those picks, I think Mike Mayock Mayock this year is going to do a fantastic job. But... In the long term, I don't think this is going to work because right now, John Gruden has complete control over the franchise. He's in in control of everything. You know, he's he's the one responsible for getting rid of Khalil Mack, Amari Cooper, who, by the way, had fantastic years this season. So he's kind of shooting himself in the foot, I bet. But John Gruden has complete control over this organization. And Mike Mayhawk, I think, understands now that John Gruden kind of holds holds the keys to the to the car. He's in the driver's seat. But Mike Mayhawk, over the next couple of years, he's going to want more and more responsibility. And John Gruden's going to tell him no. And I don't think Mike Mayhawk is going to like that. And I think that's going to cause a rift. And then I think that's going to cause a breakup in a couple of years. People forget John Gruden signed to a 10-year, $100 million contract as a head coach. 10 years. When you do that, you are trapped as an organization. You have relinquished all the leverage, all the control to that person. John Gruden holds the keys to the car. He, He holds the trident. He is the man right now. He is in control of everything. Mike Mayock over the next couple of years is going to want more and more control because I think he's going to nail the draft in the next couple of years. If he nails the draft, he's going to want more and more control. He's going to want to maybe pick his own guys, but he like Mayock's going to scout the guys. He's going to tell Gruden which ones he likes, but Gruden's going to make the ultimate decision on who to take. And if, you know, if some of those picks are nailed, which I believe they will be, Mayock's going to want to select those players himself. He's going to want to have more and more control each and every season, and he's not going to get that with Gruden there for nine more seasons potentially after this season. So in the short term, I like the move. I think they're going to nail the draft over the next couple of years. My, uh, Mayock is an excellent talent evaluator. I think he's going to just absolutely crush it, bring in some good young talent to this Oakland, soon-to-be Las Vegas Raiders team. But in the long term, I see a rift between Gruden and Mayock. Because as Mayock will want more control, Gruden's going to tell him no. And that's, that's where the rift will, will begin to form.
All right, so big news out of Pittsburgh. We're going to shift gears to this. Antonio Brown, he didn't end up playing in the Week 17 matchup against the Bengals, which the the Steelers ended up winning, but they still got knocked out of the playoffs due to a Browns loss to the Ravens. But Antonio Brown didn't play, and a lot of people thought it maybe had something to do with injury, something like that. But word came out that Antonio Brown had an argument, a disagreement with one of the players. And basically, he just skipped the game. He skipped practices and meetings beforehand. He skipped the game. And reportedly, it was Ben Roethlisberger who he had a disagreement with. And Brown doesn't like the relationship between Ben and Mike Tomlin. And he kind of feels that Mike Tomlin is playing more towards his quarterback than to him. Or maybe to the rest of the team. And so as a result, Antonio Brown is kind of throwing this huge tantrum, I suppose. I don't know if tantrum is the right word, but he just causes all this hoopla. And now he's requested a trade out of Pittsburgh and he no longer wants to be there. Now, the Steelers organization, we've known this for years, that we've known that they're very toxic. They have a very toxic environment. They're very um, personality-based. There's a lot of personalities on that team. Ben's a drama queen, or drama king, rather. Le'Veon Bell caused a huge distraction this year and in years prior. Antonio Brown has moments where he, you know, he... Lashes out and throws tantrums. And then, you know, Mike Tomlin has had a history of, you know, entertaining the the media at the podium. And, you know, Big Ben and him have kind of gone, they've kind of contradicted each other over the years. So I, I don't blame necessarily Antonio Brown for this particular situation, but I blame the Steelers organization for what's happened in previous seasons that has led to this. Not taking care of Le'Veon Bell, putting Big Ben on a pedestal, allowing everybody to be so personality-driven and and speak their mind. Like Pete Carroll, Pete Carroll kind of did that with with the Seahawks a couple years ago, they were kind of more outspoken and then they kind of fell apart and now they're back and they're ahead of schedule. Um, but back to the Steelers, you know, Mike Tomlin's just kind of is responsible for this. Excuse me. I got to turn my phone on silent there. No breaking news, just a notification. Um, Updated Super Bowl odds. Maybe we'll get to get to that later. I don't really like Super Bowl odds. Kind of, I think it's very subjective. But whatever. Um, I, I, so what I was saying was, I don't blame Antonio Brown for really this particular situation. I think this is just a culmination of what's happened over previous seasons. And you've got so many personalities on that team, and at some point, it just becomes too much. Now, where Antonio Brown did cross the line, is he was kind of poking fun at the press conference that Mike Tomlin had today. 
and he's kind of poking poking at the bear a little bit, poking the Steelers organization, kind of causing a rift not only between him and Ben and Tomlin, but really between you know the Rooney family and the entire entire organization. He's really if he's not careful, he's going to really make them mad. And my gut feeling is that he's going to be traded this offseason. I think the Steelers are going to move off of Antonio Brown. I think one team that's really interesting is the 49ers. The 49ers are, are interested. There's been some tweets that are kind of cryptic. George Kittle, the tight end, just added AB on Twitter and said, what's up? And and AB uh, quote tweeted it with an emoji. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo retweeted the tweet. So I think there's some mutual interest between AB and the 49ers. And that would make the 49ers a really, really talented offensive team. So I think the 49ers right now seem to be the most likely destination. Um, I'm not sure if maybe Indianapolis wouldn't want to trade for him. They've got a ton of cap space and assets and draft picks. Um, Maybe a team like the Jets who lack some star perimeter talent. Robbie Anderson is okay, but I mean, this is Antonio Brown we're talking about. Um, Those two teams I think would be very interesting as far as having the assets to go out and get a guy like Antonio Brown. Um, but I think really this is just the culmination of just what's happened over the years. It should have been handled better by Antonio Brown. I think he's acting immaturely right now in terms of poking fun at the organization, poking the bear and kind of biting the hand that's fed him over the years and paid him that big contract. And it's really unfortunate because the Steelers are just a really talented team They've been always been one of the more talented teams in the league. And for this continuous drama to to happen, it's just really disappointing. They were seven, two, and one middle of the season. And they missed the playoffs. Just think about that. They missed the playoffs. You lost to the Oakland Raiders. You you know, you should probably could have beaten the Saints uh, if Juju Smith-Schuster had not fumbled. I mean, you never know. Probably should have beaten the Browns week one. Like, there's there's instances where the Steelers should have easily put the division to bed. And, you know, they allowed the Ravens to claw back into it. The Browns were even in it for a while. And then they they just shot themselves in the foot. And it's really no excuse for as talented as they are and how well coached they are. I mean, Mike Tomlin's a good coach. He maybe allows a little bit too much personality. But he's a good coach. It's just really unfortunate. But I I really, my gut feeling tells me that AB is going to be moved in the offseason and I'm going to say probably he's going to be a 49er. Um, similarly, on a similar note, um, the 49ers are also interested in Odell Beckham Jr. 
if he is on the market. Now, the Giants have said, he no, he's not on the market. We didn't sign him to trade him, which I think is a fair point. I think Odell Beckham is their best player, if not second best player behind Saquon Barkley. And I don't even think Odell is the problem on the Giants. I think it's just the quarterback position in general. I think Eli is, you know, he's okay for the time being. If you draft a guy like Dwayne Haskins in the first round or a Drew Locke or a this Daniel Jones guy out of Duke, although I don't, I've never heard of him, but he's supposed to be pretty good. He'll likely sit for a season at least behind Eli Manning. And so that'll allow some time to, to groom that, that quarterback talent. That way they're set up for the future. But if you're going to trade Odell Beckham, if the Giants are, they're going to have to get a lot of assets, a lot of draft picks for him in order to just kind of make that team better in other areas. I don't think the Giants are going to trade him. I think they want to keep him. But if the you know the 49ers, if they land either Odell or or AB, look out, look out. All right. So I want to get into my final Ford food chain of the NFL season heading into week 17. We've got 12 playoff teams, six seeds in each conference. I'm going to do a Ford food chain. I listed the top 10, but I can probably throw in the other two here on the on the end. Um, let's just see who I who I left where. Forget who I left out. Okay, I left out this team. And I left out that team. Okay. So number 12. Here we go with the Ford Food Chain, the last one of the regular season, the top 12 teams. We're just gonna rank all the the playoff teams heading into the wild card weekend. Number 12, I'm gonna say it's the Philadelphia Eagles. I think Foles magic, this this Foles gold or whatever they call it, I think it's a real thing. I think there's something to be said, and I've talked about this on numerous occasions. There's something, something to be said with how Nick Foles leads this Eagles team when he's in the game. Now, I don't think this, the how he plays, and I don't think it's sustainable sustainable for an entire season, but the way he's been playing the last several weeks in Carson Wentz's absence has been phenomenal. Leading this team to the playoffs when a lot of people, including myself, didn't think he would be able to. There's something to be said about that. And I think there's a real cause for concern with Carson Wentz's injury struggles and really just his ability to win in general. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I have doubts on whether or not Carson Wentz is going to be the future of the Eagles. I think he's immensely talented. I think he is a franchise caliber talent, but just with that injury history and with this thing that Nick Foles seems to have going on, the Eagles may or may not move off of Foles or more. They may keep Foles and move off of Wentz or vice versa. Who knows? I, my gut feeling says they're going to keep Wentz and move off of Foles next season. And Nick Foles may find a starting job somewhere, but this this Foles magic is is real, or not Foles magic? That's Fitz magic. 
Foles Gold. I think it's a real thing, but I just think the secondary of the of the Eagles is absolutely depleted. Offensively, they've struggled to find a running game. Nick Foles does a good job of spreading it around, but I'm not sure against this Bears defense that they're going to be playing on on Sunday. I'm not sure if they're going to be able to go in, into Soldier Field and win a game. Um, I, I just don't see it happening. I have them as the 12th best team in the playoffs. Number 11, I've got the Houston Texans. I think they've become, you know, much more inconsistent of late. They've kind of declined a little bit. They're they're a great team for the future, but this season I just think they've lost their momentum. I don't like where they're at. I projected predicted them to make it to the AFC Championship based on my prior seedings that I predicted out. So second seed, I thought they would make it to the AFC Championship based on the matchups that I had laid out. But that's not going to happen. We'll get into predictions a little bit later. Um, but I've got the, the Texans at 11. Number 10... This is where the normal list usually starts. I've got the Patriots again. I just don't like their their weapons on the outside. Gronk and Edelman are aging. Philip Dorsett isn't the answer. Defensively, they have no pass rush. Tom Brady is limited with, with what he has around him. Potentially a first round or second round exit for the Patriots. Well, it would be, they have the second seed, so it would be a divisional round exit for the Patriots. Number nine, LA Rams. I moved off of them about two months ago. You've heard it before. I talked about it on WMCO, the the radio station at Muskingum University during one of my segments. Actually, a couple of my segments. I kind of moved off of them. But I think with rest for Todd Gurley, and if you give Sean McVay a couple weeks to prepare, I think they'll be better. I think they're a team that can win a playoff win a playoff game. Um, but they haven't yet. And Jared Goff has looked really just not sharp over the past month or so. I have my concerns about this team. I don't think they're a Super Bowl team. I think they're capable of making it to the conference championship, but no further. I got them at nine. Number eight, I'm going to slip in the Dallas Cowboys. I think... Playing Dak Prescott was a risky move. Playing most of the stars in general was a risky move by Jason Garrett, but Dak played really well. Uh, no Ezekiel Elliott. You're missing two of your Pro Bowl offensive linemen. One of your starting linemen actually gets injured in the game, but he was ended up being fine. And Dak really played well against the Giants. Led him to a game-winning drive. Uh, and won the game. And I think momentum is a real thing in the NFL. I think if you win... Week 17, that you can carry that into the playoffs without a doubt. Um, and I like where they're at. Playing Seattle, it's going to be a tough game. Um, and low scoring is my prediction for that one. I think that's a coin flip game. Um, but with the way that Dallas has been playing, 7-2 and two since the acquisition of Amari Cooper, Dak ha- has really elevated his game since Amari's come in. And the defense falling off the last couple of weeks, but still it's the probably the best front seven in football. Best linebacking duo with Jalen Smith and, and Van Der Esch. Sean Lee is healthy too. You, you got him in the mix. I really like this team. I've got them at eight. Number seven, 
the Seattle Seahawks. I'm going to put them a little step above. Their roster is not as good as the Cowboys, but I think Russell Wilson just puts them above the Cowboys. I think he's had a remarkably efficient year, over 30 touchdown passes, and the the connection he has uh, he has built with Tyler Lockett, who was a punt return specialist and slot receiver that barely played. You know, the connection he's made with him has been outstanding. Russell Wilson, when throwing to Tyler Lockett this year, is over an 80% completion percentage, 10 touchdowns, no picks, and a perfect passer rating, 158.3. And he's got 14 yards per attempt per completion to Tyler Lockett. That's just absolutely incredible numbers. Tyler Lockett has really been one of the the surprising stories of the year and really one of the best receivers in the league this year just based on impact and statistical output. Tyler Lockett has been great. And Doug Baldwin is back for them as well. And, I mean, I just really like where they're at. They've got the... The, the number one rushing attack in football, a stingy defense with some no names. I like them as well. And the game with the Cowboys on Saturday, that's a coin flip. Seahawks at seven. Number six, I'm going to put the Indianapolis Colts here. Uh, they, they've won nine of their last 10 games. Quentin Nelson, their offensive guard, number one draft choice, has been out uh, just outstanding. Darius Leonard, their the second round. Rookie linebacker, led the league in tackles, snubbed a Pro Bowl, but he's been really, really good. They're ahead of schedule. I could argue Andrew Luck, you know, should have been in the MVP conversation behind Mahomes. And, I mean, this team, a lot of people thought this was going to be kind of a rebuilding year, kind of you know, not ready yet, but they're way ahead of schedule. They won nine of 10. Andrew Luck looks completely healthy. This is a team that I think is probably one of the most scariest teams. It's probably one of the toughest teams, I think, in the entire playoffs, NFC and and AFC. And just the way they've been playing right now, the run they've been on, I've got them at six. Number five, I've got the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson this season, 6-1 and one as a starter. Been remarkably good as a runner. I don't think that kind of style of play is sustainable over three, four, five years, ten years. But it's working right now, and they're winning football games. And I think they have a great shot of beating the Chargers at home this weekend in the wildcard game. That's going to be probably the best game of the weekend. That one, I think, is a coin flip game as well. I would probably give the edge to the Chargers just because you know they they saw what Lamar Jackson Lamar Jackson can do. They've got some tape on him now, what they did against what he did against their defense. I think they'll be more prepared. They're a better road team than home team. I like the Chargers in that game. But what the Ravens have done this year. Arguably the best defense in the league. The hottest defense, probably. And nobody can stop Lamar Jackson right now. And it's just... Ravens are really, really good. They're probably my dark horse Super Bowl team in the AFC. 
Number four, the the top four, this these are my Super Bowl favorites. These are the ones I think have a tremendous shot of going to the Super Bowl and winning it. Number four, I've got the Bears. The Bears out of Chicago. I I think their defense is the best in the league. I would put them as just a smidgen, a little smidgen above the Ravens. And you know, offensively, they're kind of limited with Mitch Trubisky. I think Mitch Trubisky is a low ceiling, but he's been efficient over the last several weeks heading into the playoffs. Jordan Howard has reemerged as a as a really good back. He's scored some touchdowns. He's put up some good yards. Tariq Cohen, you know, is there and he's done some good things. They have some injuries at wide receiver, but you know, they've got a week of preparation. They should have Allen Robinson back. They'll have Taylor Gabriel, Anthony Miller may or may not play. We do not know yet. But I really like this team and with that defense and if Mitch Trubisky can just you know, just keep the Bears above water. I think they're a very scary team and really probably have the best shot out of all of these teams that I think are sneaky scary to to make it to the Super Bowl and, and upset some teams. And then number three, I've got the Kansas City Chiefs. Defense is obviously pretty limited, but offensively, Pat Mahomes... I think he's going to win the MVP. He had 50 touchdown passes, over 5,000 passing yards. He's only he's one of three quarterbacks to do that, and especially as young as he is. Granted, he's got good weapons, but, I mean, he lost some of them. You know, Sammy Watkins has been hot and cold. Kareem Hunt got cut. Algic Robinson, I believe that's his name, or something. No, Algic Robinson plays for the Vikings. Regardless, uh, you know, he's... His weapons have kind of disappeared around him as the year has gone on. But man, uh, with Patrick Mahomes playing out there, I think they're going to be really tough to beat. I really like the Chiefs. Chiefs at three. And I think they've got a tremendous shot with the way the seeding is to make the AFC Championship. Number two, I've got the LA Chargers. Best roster in football. Phillip Rivers, I think I would have put third or second or third in the MVP running uh, my votes would have been Mahomes then probably Luck then Rivers maybe flip those two but that, those were my three guys um, Philip Rivers has had an outstanding year defense has been incredible since the return of Joey Bosa they're supposed to get Hunter Henry back for the playoffs and he would be a huge add at the tight end position where they've kind of been lacking this year. No disrespect to Antonio Gates, but you know, he's 37, 38 years old. And he's not exactly as fast as he once was. So bringing in Hunter Henry, I think, just adds another element, another weapon. And this roster is just loaded. And I, I think they're a much better road team than they are a home team. And they're going to have to play most of their games on the road throughout the playoffs. I really like the Chargers, my pick, to make it to the Super Bowl in the AFC at number two. And then number one, the New Orleans Saints. The most balanced team in the league, passing and running. And they've got a great run defense. Their secondary has improved. Still not great, but it's improved. And 
you know, Drew Brees has had an outstanding year. I would put him fourth in the MVP running. And, you know, Kamara and Mark Ingram has, have really created a balanced rushing attack. And really, this, this team, just in general, is just so balanced. And, you know, they can hurt you with the pass and they can hurt you with the run. And this is my NFC pick to make it to the Super Bowl and probably win it over the Chargers. Although I wouldn't be opposed to the Chargers winning either. So there you have it. That is the final Ford food chain of the 2018-2019 NFL season heading into the playoffs. We had Eagles 12, Texans 11, Patriots 10, Rams 9, Cowboys 8, Seahawks 7, Colts 6, Ravens 5, Bears 4, Chiefs 3, Chargers 2, and Saints number 1. And so with that, we're going to transition into our, really what the, what the seedings look like for the NFC and the AFC. Look at some of the matchups that are coming up this weekend and potential matchups for the future. I'm going to predict my conference championships. Um, I may not predict each of these games here, but um, I'm going to predict my conference championship and I feel very strongly about it. And I really like it. So here we go. NFC playoff seedings. Saints clinched the number one seed throughout the uh, home field throughout the playoffs. They're one. Rams second seed. First round by Bears three seed, Cowboys four seed, Seahawks five seed, and the Eagles slipped in ahead of the Vikings at the number six seed. And so for wild card weekend, Bears versus Eagles. Um, that's going to be a matchup on Sunday, and then on Saturday we have Cowboys and Seahawks. I think that's a coin flip game. Um, really, I, I really have no idea on that one. I could go either way. Cowboys at home. Cowboys have played better at home, but I think, you know, Russell Wilson is also an added element. He's got playoff experience, a Super Bowl. That's a coin flip game to me. Bears versus Eagles. I like the Bears. I just don't think the Eagles can and Nick Foles can continue that Foles gold against that stingy Bears defense in Soldier Field. And then um, if you look at it, if the Bears beat the Eagles, they would go on to play the Los Angeles Rams while the winner of the Cowboys-Seahawks game would play the Saints. And then if the Eagles were to beat the Bears, the Eagles would play the Saints and the winner of the Cowboys-Seahawks game would play the Rams. So that's pretty interesting there. And that would be good matchups either side. Um, I think the Eagles would get steamrolled by the Saints if they were to beat the Bears. Um, and I think the Rams would steamroll both the Seahawks and the Cowboys. Um, not sure if they would steamroll the Bears. The Bears beat them last time. Um, and actually, the the Rams may not steamroll the Seahawks just because it's a you know it's a uh, division foe, division rival. So that may not be a blowout, but I think they would certainly beat them and beat the Cowboys handily as well. Um, well, they, they wouldn't be, they wouldn't play the Eagles, but um, yeah. And then my NFC championship matchup 
is going to be the Saints and the Bears. That's what my NFC Championship matchup is. And then I have the Saints advancing to the Super Bowl and winning it. AFC playoff seedings. We've got the Chiefs at the number one seed, home field throughout. Patriots number two seed. And really, they were one game away, that one Miami miracle away from clinching the one seed because they hold the tiebreaker over the Chiefs. So that could have been really interesting. And had the Patriots landed that number one seed, I would have given them a much greater shot to make it back to the Super Bowl just because they're a better team at home. But going on the road, I don't think they're going to win. Um, so Chiefs, number one, Patriots two, Texans three seed, number four seed, the Ravens after the Steelers got kicked out, Chargers five seed, and the Colts snuck in after beating the Titans to make it to the sixth seed. So this weekend on Saturday, we've got the Texans versus the Colts. I like the Colts in this one with the way the they've been playing, nine out of ten. And then the Ravens versus the Chargers, I think this is the best game of the weekend. I Honestly, this is also a coin flip, but I'm going to go with the Chargers. I'm going to give the edge to them. And then the Colts would go on to play the Chiefs if they were to win. And the Chargers would go to play the Patriots. I would give the edge to the Patriots, or I mean the Chargers over the Patriots. And I would have the Chiefs beating the Colts meaning we would have a Chiefs-Chargers division rival AFC championship, which would look kind of weird, but I would give the edge once again to the Chargers. Chargers make it to the Super Bowl where the Saints beat them. So we got a great weekend of football coming up. That's it for this week's show, everyone. Uh, make sure you follow the show on Twitter, at The Will Ford Show. Haven't been as active uh, recently just because of the holidays and, and whatnot, but certainly going to try to Continue to do that. Um, rate and review the show on iTunes. Like and comment on SoundCloud. We've got a great weekend of football coming up, guys. Happy New Year to you all. And I hope all of your favorite teams uh, win their playoff games and and do well for you so that way you start the new year off right. But we'll see you at the end of this week, right before... These playoff matchups take place. So we'll see you for episode 53. It's WFS. <laughs> <laughs>